I'm John Kaminsky. And I'm Brandon Lyons. And as per usual with our podcast, we will be discussing comic books and graphic novels, immediately inspired by comic books and graphic novels, and we're doing it through the lens of our Catholic faith. And this time, we're kicking off a new story, which is House of X as well as Powers of X. And if you're confused why there's two titles that I'm listing, it's because, yeah, well, comics are... <laughs> A wild carousel of a fever dream. Carousel. <laughs> Stick with it, guys. Yeah. We're if you're not, and go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, so we're essentially reading, Brendan and I, a, a collected edition that has both the six issue miniseries House of X, as well as the six issue miniseries Powers of X or Powers of Ten. And they're, they're stories that are both separate, but also related. And so having them together kind of helps build a larger narrative as the writer Jonathan Hickman creates something of a paradigm shift for our merry mutants, as Stan Lee might call them. It is, it is very different from, um, if you are now... <clears throat> as you guys have been listening know, I am not as well-versed with comic books as John is. I, unfortunately, through my life, have consumed most of my media in that realm through television and movies. So if that's also how you know X-Men, get ready for it to be a little different. <laughs> um, it's not... You know what? And here, here's the thing. I, there was a moment... The moment when I realized that there were elements of Days of Future Past being, oh, the cat's here. I forgot to put them down. Of Days of Future Past being put on parallel to not Days of Future Past. And I was like, oh, okay. I I had to expect to be a little bit confused at times. <laughs> yeah. And just, you know, be ready because there's some things that, there's some twists and turns uh, that are, it uh, take a little bit of time to be like, oh, okay. Well, no, I, I think I got what's going on. Yeah. And Powers of uh, 10, Powers of X or Powers of 10 is dealing with the potential timeline of, well, the world, but in particular, how it pertains to mutants. And it goes by decades at a time. So yeah. it goes, there's the, the first decade and then what is it? The first hundred years and then a thousand years. It's what, zero, 10, a hundred, a thousand. Okay. Yeah. And uh, again, it, it'll interrelate back to to house of x a bit hmm. so the uh i'm gonna I pause for a second and put my cat in the basement Sorry. Do it. i forgot about him before our <laughs> feline overlords take us <laughs> come on come on gotta start remembering to do that before we start but then we get great clips for the end oh yeah <laughs> so go on sorry <laughs> well i guess a good place to start in case anybody needs a refresher or you have no familiarity with the X-Men comics. The X-Men are a group of individuals who are mutants. And in the Marvel universe, mutants are a, as you might expect, a mutation of human beings. And the mutation manifests typically with what we recognize as superpowers in comics. And it doesn't always manifest at 
puberty or teenage years, but typically that's the case. And the powers can vary in many forms. They can be volatile and difficult to control. And so it is a source of controversy within the Marvel Universe due to the fact that mutants could use their abilities for good or they could use them for selfish purposes or they just may have powers that are so beyond their control that they're a danger to anyone and everyone Hmm. and so some people like toad well yes that seems like the obvious choice he's an apocalypse the height at which he can jump is just completely uncontrollable to him it's it's just it's a problem yes his is a name that that breeds fear in the hearts of all (laughs) (laughs) yeah so the the x-men have a philosophy based on Charles Xavier, who is a mutant with the ability to read minds. And that philosophy is that mutants should try to, the best that they're able, learn how to use their gifts in a way that is constructive and betters the community that they live in. And the idea is that humans and mutants should be able to coexist. Hmm. Not everybody shares that philosophy. And there are various factions of mutants who either believe themselves to be the perpetual victims of humans. And so they need to start a revolution or they're mutants that simply believe that they should be able to do whatever they want with their powers and sort of validate some of the fears that humans have of what could happen if criminal mutants, you could say. And there are those who chose to pigeonhole themselves by naming themselves the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Yeah, you're kind of setting yourself up. Yeah, you know, I mean, clearly (laughs) nobody's superpower gene was marketing. uh, (laughs) Oh, (laughs) (laughs) might want to. They don't call themselves that in this book or any self-respecting story outside of the 1980s or before. Better get on Zip even... Recruiter, Magneto. <laughs> no, but who, who's going to hire him? I was previously the CEO of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, but I'm interested in temp work um, <laughs> at a steel mill. <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> uh, <laughs> when your powers involve magnetism. Uh, you know, I, yeah. Well, I, you know, everything would go right. It would just be him. Yeah. He Unless... is Omega level after all. Yeah, I mean, I'm just imagining the the annual performance review and uh, <laughs> when the subject of weaknesses and room to improve comes up, you may want to clear the, the room for that one. I'm a little bit concerned at the number of times we had to talk about not passing rebarb through your coworkers. Um, oh, gosh. <laughs> we're really impressed with the amount that you can move at one time, but please remember that normal human beings cannot have uh, metal pass through them and survive. Norm- I'm sorry. I said normal. I'm sorry. I did it again. We've talked about that. I know. I said, non-mutant human beings. I'm sorry. No, please don't. Please don't close that around my. No. I- End scene. <laughs> How's my foley work? <laughs> so yeah, that's what mutants are. Yeah. <laughs> Which um, you know I I. Because it's it's what I choose to think about instead of you know important things. Actually, I don't know. Do you want to do, do the 
the rest of the background there first. I'm sorry. Yeah. So as far as the story goes here. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So the story is pretty much bringing us into a new, how do I put it? The story starts with the nation of Krakoa being established, which is to say that the mutants have decided to form their own country and they want it to be recognized by the world. And they're being very aggressive in how they are sort of managing to, to do that. And as the, the story goes on, we see how the mutant nation is developing and why it's developing, why it seems to be happening at such a rapid pace, seemingly overnight. And yeah, it, it prompts some questions about, uh, is this, is this a good move for mutants? Is this a good, <laughs> is this a good move for humans? And how how are these ethical situations being navigated? I don't know if that was too vague, but there's a there's a lot going on in this story, to be honest. Yeah, well, you know, it's a pretty. I mean, basically, what you're seeing at the beginning here is all of a sudden there's a bunch of they're calling them habitats, but they're basically, it seems to me, they're embassies yeah. slash you know because if a mutant goes through there, they can go to to, to I, I just want to call it Krakatoa. I know that's not what it is, but. Krakatoa. It's second cousin to Krakatoa. Yeah, um, and you know this is kind of backed up by the fact that there's a there's a group of ambassadors who come in to speak with the mutants, and they are somewhat shocked to find out that the person greeting them is Magneto. As I imagine, you would be quite surprised if the uh, you know the big baddie was <laughs> like, "Oh, hey, hi, welcome to the place where I'm in charge." No, you're safe. <laughs> yeah, everything's great when the face of this new nation uh, has formerly been a mutant terrorist. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's um on, on one hand it's it's a little uh I don't know if jarring is the word, but on the other hand it kind of it sets you up with the basic uh the basic idea of look, okay, Krakoa is our new home. You're going to leave us alone and we're going to give you they give them they offer them three drugs. Mm-hmm. One that produce uh one that extends the life of humans for a human for five years i assume that means average lifespan of humans uh, I'm, it's not 100 clear on that mm-hmm. another is a universal antibiotic it can work on any t- anything you know it doesn't go out of style and then the other <laughs> one that cures diseases of the mind so it's you know that's the deal they're offering is here we're gonna heal a whole bunch of stuff and you leave us alone. And see now, if you're just stepping into the, the book, that doesn't seem like such a bad, bad deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the question is to what extent, you know, it's also, it's also, it also becomes apparent that amnesty for mutant criminals is part of the deal. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which is not as popular uh, with certain humans, but um, you know, I, so this whole situation and actually what always, you know, what I tend to dwell on with these X-Men is, uh, I, I, okay. So I, they're human or are they not human? What's the situation here? I know they go by, mm. they go by, uh, homo superior. I assume that that is, that that's their name for themselves. Uh, I, I highly doubt a bunch of homo sapiens said, Oh yeah, they're better than us. So I'm guessing by the fact that it's not homo freakazoid that they named themselves. 
Um, <laughs> so are they actually a separate species, such as like, uh, you know, Homo erectus versus uh, Homo sapien? And mm. if they are, what does that mean for the presence of a soul and, you know, salvation history? So I, I took the liberty of, instead of exploring what was going on in this particular book, exploring what different people thought about whether or not Neanderthals had souls. There you go. <laughs> and, <I'll> t- <laughs> and there's a reason it matters. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, no, I, I mean, it does. Sell it, Brendan. So, well, Sell so, it. So, so, so here you go. I mean, Neanderthals uh, existed 50, 40, 50,000 years ago and, and later. Humans also existed around the same time. Now, I, I, you know, I don't want to get like into a big argument with somebody about evolution. Uh, the Catholic Church accepts the general theory of evolution and accepts it as a, you know, I think would it be safe to say that the church finds it that it's not incompatible, essentially? Uh, yes, yeah. Let's go. Much, much like the church finds that it's not incompatible for aliens to exist because they could still be creations of God. Like the church understands that our concept of creation and our minds, our creative minds, really couldn't grasp creation itself. So the idea that because the Bible gave the you know the Adam and Eve account doesn't necessarily mean that as far as the existence of earth that's exactly how it happened or even if you think if you think um if you consider the idea that we would have evolved from you know from Homo erectus from you know, all the way back to apes our common ancestors with apes there is a thought that that moment of human insolment almost came Hmm. in at a time that science understands where humans went from a sort of well okay i'm gonna borrow some thomas aquinas because that's what i looked up (laughs) you have an animal so you have different souls according to different kinds of souls according to aquinas you've got your vegetative soul which is just a plant but it has something there it's not eternal but it has something there then you have your sensitive soul um, which applies to to animals, uh, which is to say that it has some cognitive powers. It has, you know, has exter- external senses. It has. He refers to it as, as a common as common sense, but you might think of it more as like an animal can learn that something is going to bite it, or that like eating a berry is going to make it sick. So it can develop like a common sense sort of idea. So at w- at the point at which humans developed an intellect and will two components that we understand are necessary for a rational soul may be the point at which salvation history truly begins for human souls which i've seen i have seen some people equate that to about sixty thousand years ago there was kind of a hey there was a big population crunch but then after the population crunch there was also what seemed to be a rise in cognitive ability which would be like an increase in using tools now, using tools by itself, not proof of a rational soul, because chimpanzees do that and certain things. But the question of whether or not Neanderthals had an intellect and will in a rational soul is, I think, an interesting question. I have seen 
My cursory attempt at studying this suggests that Catholic theologians feel that no, they did not, <laughs> which is, mm. you know, a way of looking at it. And uh, I, I would be I would be fine with that being the case. There is also the fact that we bred with them. OK, if you accept the genealogical evidence for the existence of Neanderthals, you also have to accept the geneal- genealogical evidence that we interbred with Neanderthals. <laughs> And we didn't just push them out of existence. We also bred them out of existence to the point where it was just human homo sapiens. So the reason all of that is of interest to this is that now we have homo superior. So there's two major questions, and I'm going to want your full answer on this and, uh, you know, no holes in the argument. Oh, okay. One, are they actually a different species? And two... Do they have the same kind of soul as a human? So go ahead. Oh, okay. Thanks. <laughs> You're a pal. Hey, <laughs> what do you what do you think? I mean, because especially if, if we're going to talk about evolutionary progress, which X Men tends to touch on, there's evolutionary progress in our history. I mean, you know, if we're going to have a situation where people can mutate and become X-Men, then we kind of had to accept in a history where Homo erectus became Homo sapien slash I don't know how many things were in between, but you know what I mean? So anyway, I gave you some extra time to think about it. So what's your... <laughs> yeah, it's... Um, yeah, to follow up with some of what you were saying, I think perhaps regardless of what you might hold to in terms of the validity of the theory of evolution or that sort of thing. In the in the interest of exploring some of the themes and concepts in the story, it's useful to, I guess, operate within that framework theoretically, at least. Well, um, yeah, you. in so. order to apply this to the X-Men book, you have to accept it as... You have to accept the right. general, which, I mean, I kind of already... I already I mean, I believe God willed it, but... Unless this is <laughs> like, like a, a wildly flashy manifestation of what could be called microevolution or adaptations versus sure. a macroevolutionary leap. That's sure. that's perhaps a whole other thing besides. Hmm. But for the moment, well, sort of to <laughs> you... Actually... <laughs> Sorry, God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the the X-Men gene is very clearly a not a microevolutionary... Like, it's not a natural selection situation mm. <laughs> it is very clearly a oh my gosh it's a, it's very clearly a cambridge cambridge explosion plus evolution <laughs> where we have oh wait just what's that is it cambridge or cambrian oh it's cambrian i'm sorry cambridge <laughs> cambridge cambrian explosion type situation where all of a sudden things just go crazy mm. <laughs> and we can't necessarily Woo. account for it which is not to say that you know <laughs> But I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, uh, honestly, I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure what I think because I t- I've tended to gloss over evolutionary theory, to be frank. And so, but we're doing X Men, so you can't yeah, do that anymore. Sorry, I know, man. I know. <laughs> and I was trying to before recording. I was telling you try to refresh myself on sort of what the the hallmarks of a species are, I guess, and mm-hmm. trying to determine would organism a and organism b be the same given those characteristics yeah i don't know because i mean i guess they think so in terms of being a different species if they're giving themselves a separate nomenclature and mm-hmm. i mean assuming that i guess it's accepted by the scientific community i guess naming yourself like a different species <laughs> doesn't make you a separate species <laughs> well i guess it uh, does if you win <laughs> 
Well, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'd hate for uh, bio, you know, biology to be reduced to the winning side gets to decide what it is. But um, mm. <laughs> I, I guess that would be the case that there were only mutants left. Who's going to tell them that's not right? Oh my gosh! Huh. Yeah, I mean they're so they're compatible mutants and humans biologically for creating offspring and offspring that are viable for subsequent generations which is to say that they can have children that are not sterile which from a very cursory bit of research is not necessarily always the case with hybrids in terms of having sterile offspring but it does seem to be a frequent enough occurrence Hmm. that that's Uh, and it seems to again also you know, on the side of cursory exploration, I'm sure that there are you know things that don't fit the bill, but that it would seem that in 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 some cases that either the male or female offspring is sterile, mm. depending in some way on the uh, on the parents. So if both male and female <laughs> offspring of mutants and humans can breed, then they might not be different species. But I don't think that's a rule, 100. Mm. percent So don't. Actually, no, do write in to us, please, actually. That would be great. <laughs> it would actually be very helpful to get a better better Enlighten idea of the cases there, yeah. Yes. So, so what's your take, Brendan? Because no, I've, no, I've no, given I you no... I you to do it, so... Uh, uh, I honestly have no idea. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I mean, I don't think there's a... There's a well, okay, uh, I'll, I'll boil it down to this, that the Catholic mm-hmm. Church has stated well popes have stated that alien life forms could possess a a rational soul so an alien life forms that are created by god which would be everything could potentially have a rational soul which would suggest to me just based on that that a non-human could have a rational soul Hmm. therefore one would think that an x-men could (laughs) a mutant could have a natural uh, you know a, a a rational soul now there's also the fact that i don't think that they are a different species based on the way it seems to me that they usually come about which is to say a mutation in an x gene but not a not a constant mutation Mm. in the gene they are mutations that are very different than previous mutations but not mutations that are consistent i think enough to cause a evolutionary branch hmm. does that make sense like whereas a manatee and an elephant had have evolutionary branches that had a significant break in evolution where one ended up going aquatic ish and the other i think manatees and elephants i may have just messed up my my evolutionary like <laughs> track here but at least at this point it doesn't seem like there is a consistent enough mutation aside from just like it gives you superpowers hmm. it's not like consistent or maybe it is but like you know human like hominids that walk upright more can now run for longer distances or, or whatever it is and so they get to, they can eat more and they're more desirable for mating and their traits get passed on hmm. I, I don't know that the x-men are quite at that level but I don't know, maybe just the magic power mutation will take over. So I, you know, I, I think that they are fair in saying that they are the future hmm. because they clearly probably could take over the world and destroy humans if they wanted to. 
But I don't think that they are a real different species at this point. Hmm. But if you're an evolutionary biologist out there listening, as I know many, you know, I know that we're one of the one of the top 100 podcasts amongst evolutionary biologists. Please don't look that up. <laughs> Please give me don't, a call. Don't, don't. You don't need to confirm that. Just <laughs> just believe us. Prima uh, facie. Yes. Anyway, great. Now that we've decided they have souls, they can go to hell. Oh my gosh. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> that's the important. That's the important thing. So I'm sure they'll be thanking me. I've determined that you have a soul, which means you can go to hell. <laughs> All right. <laughs> if you thought our last story was cheery, we get into this one. Well, well, now that they can go to hell, their actions matter. Where, so let's talk about Brendan, their actions. <laughs> where Brendan renders judgment and sends them to perdition. No, 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 no. <laughs> I said they can go there. Um. Yeah, fair enough. It's not my judgment that sends them anywhere. It's their actions, and I sit back and talk about it. <laughs> like an old church lady. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm concerned about him. <laughs> oh, I'm not no. judging him. I'm just concerned about his behavior. All right, well. I would be, too. <laughs> <laughs> so what on earth is going on with this? Uh... On earth or space? Um, oh, that's right. You yeah. know what's funny? I'm on that page. So what is right. going on in space? Uh, looks like they're trying to build a gateway to the moon. There's a part of the moon within the Marvel Comics lore that is um, breathable. The blue area of the moon. So they are clearly trying to put down stakes there. I've actually read enough of the subsequent contact that follows out of House of X and Powers of X to know that actually Scott Summers and his family set up like a summer home up there (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well that's all the time we have folks (laughs) i'm I'm proving my dad cred here oh Oh, man but yes so krakoa is able to produce apparently a whole lot of breakthrough it's interesting because it's not technology exactly but it kind of functions that way. It's all organic. Mm. So whereas you have, I'm trying to think of an example, like the Fantastic Four would rely a lot on sort of super technological sciences to change the way they live and the way the world lives. And the X-Men are finding ways hitherto undiscovered to use organic ways of creating portals to create, as Brenda mentioned, radical new medicines and, and that sort of thing. And Creating the embassies is a lot easier when they can just plant a seed where they want a gateway, mm-hmm. and then uh, it works like that. And to be clear, it's kind of, I guess it's like teleportation, essentially. It's its not as if there's like a plant bridge or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's sort of a... It's more like a Stargate. Yeah, it's kind of like <laughs> a, a planty Stargate sort of, yeah, sort of thing. And uh, that was very eloquent of me to put it. <laughs> but yeah, so just like. There's, very some, su- there's a Stargate fan out there somewhere who's really mad that I said that that's what <laughs> it was like. Yeah, it'll be great when. Uh, that's not how Stargates work. 
suddenly our inbox is flooded with a demographic we never thought we'd I never 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 even knew yeah everyone knows that in order to have <clears throat> in order to have a stargate stargate you need a james spader wait what huh <laughs> huh you bring bringing James Spader into this? Well, yeah. If you want to have a Stargate, you have to have a James Spader. That's definitely not the sound of me Googling. <laughs> James Spader. Oh, wait. Am no, I the it only, is the guy. Am I no, the only no, no. person who watched the movie Stargate? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like every time I've ever referenced Stargate, people are like, James Spader. <laughs> like, yes. Stargate. James Spader and Kurt Russell. It was a movie okay. before it was right. like a terrible movie, a TV show. It's more hate mail. Oh, I'm learning things <laughs> now. I I figured the TV show came first. No. Oh, no. Okay. Gosh. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah, it's the James Spader I was thinking. It it has a great joke about Egyptology that I wouldn't get if somebody hadn't explained it to me. But when James Spader says figuring out Egyptians easy once you figure out the uh, the vowels, which is apparently a joke because there are no vowels in uh oh egyptian languages is that true i I (laughs) i'm just saying that is not the first nor the third time that i have referenced james spader in stargate and somebody was confused i'm sorry that i'm not helping with apparently (laughs) the the tv show is way more famous than the movie i've only seen the movie so (laughs) anyway my my nerd cred's plummeting (laughs) Well, I've never seen the TV show, so I have no nerd cred. I just happened to have seen the movie once. Oh, man. Yeah, I will say, briefly speaking of garden tech, or whatever you want to call it, plant plant Gar- technology. Garden tech yeah. sounds great. Yeah, that really just rolled off the tongue. The, the very initial pages of the story has a mysterious figure standing over sort of these tree pods that are bursting open and... Mutants are coming out, and it's a very kind of Garden of Eden kind of setting. Yes. And a mysterious, mysterious figure. Yeah. Graceful, disturbingly yes. attractive mm. figure. Yes, disturbingly attractive. It's unsettling how attractive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, this uh, supposedly <laughs> overwhelmingly attractive figure. I didn't say overwhelmingly. <laughs> I'm pretty sure those were exact words. <laughs> Who's wearing a, a helmet with a an X in the front of it because sure, you know, branding. They they finally got on top of their marketing. He's he's standing over these newly hatched mutants and uh says well, to me my X-Men. X-Men. Yeah. Which is sort of the the call of Charles Xavier, which leads us to think or wonder, is this Charles Xavier and why why does he look so different? You know, doesn't yeah, but he's standing up face. and he's like sexy. So that doesn't <laughs> seem right. <laughs> mysteries upon mysteries. And then yes, we we see the Krakoan embassy gateways being set up by way of being planted. And that leads us to the representatives of various nations being called to meet with mutant ambassadors to, I guess, discuss what their nations are going to do about sort of this this deal as far as, hey, recognize our mutant nation and we'll give you these 
wildly breakthrough medicinal products. Mm-hmm. And so there's some back and forth and people are uncomfortable. Some people are willing to become more comfortable with the idea because, hey, this is just kind of how you do business on the international level of politics and diplomacy. And then, as we said, they find that Magneto greets them. And for those unfamiliar, Magneto is actually a longtime on-again, off-again foe of the X-Men. His character history includes having, well, having family history with the Holocaust in World War II. Mm. And that's supposed to have deeply affected his ideas of protecting who he sees to be his people. And no longer will he allow prejudice and tyranny to have that kind of hold. Although, ironically, it seems to drive him at various times to have a radical terrorist streak where he's essentially lording over a sense of superiority over humans where he thinks that mutants need to take their rightful place as the betters of humanity. So different writers have handled him kind of in different ways in terms of does he just think that he and other mutants are the the rightful heirs of the planet in terms of being the top top dogs top species or is magneto more taking um or is magneto more trying to defend his people so that nothing like the holocaust would happen again yeah he's always been a very interesting character in that because to the extent that he is probably one of the most sympathetic villains Mm. and just in that and it's not even like not even that like what he's doing is necessarily like a, a, a good thing. Like I wouldn't agree that suggesting humans should be extinct instead of them is, is a good thing, but the level to which <laughs> I, you understand the, that his response to being separated and looked at as a, I, I, I guess like as a different type of human, as a separate mm group of humans Hmm. is not like you know someone who's been through the holocaust you can imagine that the very suggestion that he is not the same kind of human as everybody else is extremely familiar to him Hmm. i mean he would have heard very similar sentiments and i if you have the ability to move metal and like maybe you have that ingrained in you. You you accept that. Okay, you know what? You're right. Actually, I'm not the same kind of human as you. I'm better. <laughs> so mm. like, I, he is a sympathetic and also logical villain who I would still root against. But it's and I think that's part of why it works so well when you have him and and Charles just merely disagreeing on process. Mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. and Charles can read his mind. Sometimes when he's not wearing his helmet, but you know, mm-hmm. so and that, that helps the, with the how sympathetic he is. Sorry, I kind of went down a. I I love Magneto, <laughs> so he's, he's a he's a very good character, especially over the course of time. He's existed for for several decades, mm-hmm. and I think it's he's one of those characters that has gotten better with age in terms of going from a more still an interesting villain, but kind of more one-dimensional and now he's kind of more developed as far as like oh he's still he still <laughs> makes poor decisions and like you i would i would also disagree with his his methods and his philosophy but you can 
see how somebody could be that way. And well, I liked him as a one-dimensional cartoon villain, so <laughs> <laughs> I like. It I mean, his, <laughs> his his power set's cool. Uh, it's, it's he's pretty neat. There's not a lot of, oddly enough, even though there's certainly any number of characters who have magnetic control mm-hmm. in comics, that he's he's got to be the. Yeah. The most interesting and probably the most powerful, whether you're talking DC or Marvel, uh, he's even listed among, we don't necessarily have to get into it now, but Omega level mut- mutants, which is to say that he mm-hmm. has the distinction of a, a very large, a very high capacity for exerting control magnetically over metal objects. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be a limit to the number of things that he can <laughs> manipulate or how he can manipulate them. Staple stores he can shut down yeah. over. <laughs> And also, and all apologies to Hugh Jackman, I was never that big a fan of Wolverine. So mm. the fact that Magneto could just toss him. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You're not a Wolverine fan, huh? I loved Gambit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who got no love in the movies. No. <laughs> Nothing. They're both cool. I like them. Uh, no, no, no. I, I, I have grown to appreciate, especially thanks to Hugh Jackman, but grown to appreciate Wolverine. I get it. I get why people like him. Yeah, we'll have to circle back at some point okay. and uh, come up with like, okay, dream teams. If you have five mutants, like, what are you going to put in that team? Oh, but boy. Um, all right, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, let's start right. working on it now. Yeah, is Spider-Man a mutant? That's an interesting question. <laughs> <laughs> yes and no. He kind of actually occupies a funny space, but n- not. I don't know. I don't know a lot, but I knew that, and that's why I asked the question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you wanted to. <laughs> The short answer is no, but are the Fantastic Four mutants? <laughs> you know what? They're actually both Spider-Man and them are occupy that that space where they're yeah. they've been modified by scientific accidents genetically. Yeah, but um, so there's mutations that are occurring. But yeah, in, in terms mm-hmm. of the formal definition within the context of the Marvel universe, they they are not mutants. But uh, I appreciate you keeping me on my toes. <laughs> But they were they were not born with the the genetic mutations the way they occur with the mutants and the X Men and their ilk. Yeah. Yeah. But um. But yes. So all these ambassadors or these representatives are meeting with Magneto. They're kind of getting the tour. And in the meantime, we're kind of seeing new mutants coming onto the main island of Krakoa, the new home and stronghold and safe haven for mutants everywhere. So we get to see. Characters like Jean Grey, who is also a telepath and a, a prominent character in the X-Men lore. We run into Cypher, who is a mutant with the ability to understand any language and uh, how he's applying that to Krakoa. And I think, oh, that's right. He So we can actually talk to the island, which is sentient. Yeah, that's a helpful skill. Yes, it is. It might be useful to note, too, that Krakoa actually has a long history in in the X-Men comics going back to uh, Giant Size X-Men, which is when they kind of established uh, a new team of X-Men that included characters like Nightcrawler and Colossus. That was when those characters first came on the scene. Banshee. There were a few others. That was actually, I had a, a, a friend of mine in grade school ended up giving me their paperback copy of it, and I read that thing to death. But um, but Krakoa was actually initially an island that the X-Men had explored, not realizing that it was sentient, and it ended up becoming a trap, and the island tried to kill them 
And what do you know? Relationships have, <laughs> I guess, uh, evolved <laughs> because uh, because now the island is very friendly towards mutants. It has a mutated landmass itself, apparently. So, anywho, yes. So we get to see young children frolicking. We get to see the normally surly and cynical Wolverine playing with with youngsters and Charles Xavier reassuring Jean Grey that they're finally in a place they can call home. In his <laughs> ridiculous Daft Punk outfit. <laughs> Daft Punk slash David Bowie from the movie Labyrinth. Maybe not. Oh yeah, no, he's got a lot of got a lot of things going on. Yeah, it does. All of it's upsetting. But hey, you know, people uh people go through style evolutions, so who am I to say? <laughs> it's just weird. He looks weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy i, I it, better it, not it looks weird and i don't like it so what but, you're saying is that it shouldn't show up at the next wedding i'm invited to wearing wearing that as sort of a fashion forward the next wedding no yes you should actually no oh, oh yeah yeah really steal the show huh yeah yeah but meanwhile we have humans who are not wearing spandex <laughs> out in space near the sun where spandex cannot survive <laughs> as science has proven again and again why do we keep trying <laughs> why why do we always fly too close to the proverbial sun when it comes to spandex? no literal literal sun it's the literal that, sun oh oh this is in fact a literal sun damn our hubris <laughs> like icarus himself and his spandex wings that's right that was his first uh <laughs> that was his first mistake but humans are uh are not sitting around waiting for mutants to make the first move they are they're flying into space and they are trying to establish a satellite location where they can build i guess a colony but they're they're definitely marshalling military resources uh yeah especially given that they are setting up shop right next to a giant floating robot head oh not just a robot head sir Mm, no sir (laughs) you reckon we recognize that robot's head yeah (laughs) that is a sentinel head isn't it yep it's well it's it's, no 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 yeah i was allowing the dramatic (laughs) (laughs) moment to breathe uh yes that it's a uh it's a form of sentinel that we come to learn is a mother mold and there's there's a whole breakdown in in the story about different kinds of sentinels but essentially a sentinel is a robot and it is built with the express intention of hunting down mutants and imprisoning or generally more often the case exterminating them so there's been different models and different forms a master mold is a sentient larger robot sentinel that has the ability to manufacture more drone sentinels and this is which is always a good idea oh yeah yeah nothing as we've learned from the vision Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah robots making robots is always a great idea always comes sunny side up oh man did i just make a sun pun oh (laughs) oh jeez um just zinging them out Jesus, you got a second kid on the way, man. <laughs> you got a real—it's getting real dad in here. 
<laughs> I, I'm I'm workshopping this stuff with Jack, so <laughs> so that we'll be ready for any subsequent oh, okay <laughs> uh, siblings that he might have. But uh, so a master mold can build more drone sentinels, and uh, this is a mother mold which can create more master molds. So Ooh. so it's uh, if you're following me so far. They've basically set up shop in space in a way where perhaps a small colony of humans could survive for a time. And they have the technology there to to create a whole fleet of robotic weapons to combat mutants. And that seems to be the primary concern for this organization is having defenses against mutants. Because as far as they can tell, their time is nigh. Yep. Yep. The organization in question is Orcus, and it's formed up by people from a number of different organizations within the Marvel Universe. So for anybody who reads the comics, that would include members of S.H.I.E.L.D. Well, I guess if you've if you've seen the movies, you would know about S.H.I.E.L.D. as well, and HYDRA. There's some other ones that haven't come up in the films as much, but definitely have a place in, in the comics, such as AIM, Strike, Sword. They really like these uh hmm. acronyms no sword is in um uh wandavision oh you're right yeah they've yeah. introduced them now uh alpha flight hammer so it's there's all these different organizations some of them more clandestine than others but they're all kind of forming a shadow organization and coalition with the common hmm. interest of having defenses in place and yeah they, they basically see mutants as an imminent threat and they've been preparing well i mean you know if you're if you're good at something you tend to stick to that (laughs) which is forming a shadow organization too (laughs) yeah there's something to that (laughs) you know it should be noted as well that these organizations haven't necessarily gotten along with one another very well in the past yeah have been enemies (laughs) i noticed that i was wasn't sure exactly how uh how i was supposed to take that but (laughs) no yeah these these are people who don't typically get cozy with one another and they're kind of they're willing to put up with each other long enough to serve a common cause which is in parallel to what we'll find with the mutants which is that mutants haven't always been friendly with one another as we've said characters like xavier and magneto have had antithetical ideologies and have actually fought each other both physically and ideologically so it's interesting you have the mutants forming their their nation, which is trying to sort of put aside past differences for a common cause. And then you have Orcus, which is different humans of different organizations putting aside their history for their own common cause. Hmm. So that's all in the works. And um, that'll develop as the story goes on. We have a, a jump cut in some ways. We have a pivot to a break-in at a facility in New York City, and Mystique, who is a mutant who can shapeshift and change her appearance, is part of a part of a heist with. And for some reason, doesn't choose to always look like Rebecca Romaine. <laughs> but whatever. That's I mean, to each his own. Yeah, she has she has options. She can wear whatever face she wants. That's that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but Lindsay Lohan isn't one of them. No, I'm kidding. No. She's there with Sabretooth, who is a kind of a feral, burly, wild man, and uh, and Toad, who well, <laughs> think think John with a beard. Aha! 
You know, that, I'll, I'll take that as a compliment. And, and Toad is just me without a beard. Oh my gosh. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not true. That's horrible. Actually, I've got that hair right now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I can't actually see Brendan right now, so I'm going <laughs> to try to no, push that. Uh, push that image out of my mind but uh but toad if it's it's pretty on the nose he's he's got frog type abilities he can and a large nose so well yeah (laughs) depending on the artist but yeah well right now he has it okay yeah 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 Yeah. depending on the artist i feel like is always a caveat for (laughs) sure sure i just felt it's worth noting in terms of like some characters have pointy ears all the time regardless of artists and then other characters some liberties are taken so sure uh toad does consistently have a long prehensile tongue and he can jump with great he's, he's very acrobatic he's he's able to to jump and move very quickly so he's a toad we yeah he's a jump. toad man it's, yeah. It, yeah all right all right and you know what happens to him when he gets struck by lightning uh, uh the, he uh, grows real big no it's actually the same thing that happens to everything else when it gets Struck by lightning. Nice reference to the first X-Men movie. Yeah, I didn't think that was as bad a line as some people thought, thought it was. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't great, but it was it was campy, but it was... <laughs> oh my gosh. It's gold, I tell you. Gold. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, they're they're breaking in and they're trying to get some, uh, some intel because Toad's hacking into an information system. We don't know exactly what he's looking for yet. I feel like that's but... not one of his superpowers. That's just a thing he learned. Uh yeah, yeah. Not part of his toad skill set. <laughs> Doesn't didn't you know that toads naturally have a an IT proficiency? I you know I don't think that's true, but like just in case, I'm I'm never gonna leave my computer open near a swamp. Yeah, that seems like a wise choice on many levels. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just a general actually rule. But if you needed extra encouragement or uh, another reason, so what's happening with these three miscreants? They're uh, they're up to shenanigans and hijinks. And Indeed. Possi- yeah. I mean, that's putting it mildly. I'm pretty sure Sabretooth's killed some people. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, well, that's, you know. Yeah. Boys will be boys. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> uh, ugh. Yeah, so they're they're busting out. Toad, Toad got what he wanted, apparently. And they break out. Mystique is chastising Sabretooth, actually, because it was supposed to be a fairly uh, discreet break in but Sabretooth doesn't really do discreet and here's the thing i i can't blame Sabretooth on this one <laughs> yeah who assembled this team yeah like this this team is sneaking in you've got the frog who can jump really high okay all right they need him to do sell stuff you've got the lady who can look like anyone okay cool yeah that's pretty good and then you have the guy named after an extinct tiger that was the size of your house yeah like what like, who like yeah and they've all also got a uh <laughs> was nightcrawler tr- not available yeah right although he wouldn't steal something like was That's kitty pride point. not available uh, she's also good I, I, I don't know i mean like actually this is making more sense now <laughs> in some ways because they they yeah. all have a pretty long rap sheet yeah but there's not one other unscrupulous <laughs> mutant who might not kill seven people on the way in yeah, I mean, Sabretooth is kind of the weak link here insofar as, like, he's he's good muscle if you need it, but he's a... Uh, restraint is not one of his strong suits, and if you're looking for a covert, that's kind of the bull in the china shot that you don't need. Yeah. 
Yeah, as we find out, because the Fantastic Four find out, <laughs> they, they lay a whopping right. on these guys. Sabretooth puts on a brave face, and uh, he gets it handed to him. <laughs> I got this. Yeah, see, that's the other thing. He's not even that great muscle. <laughs> yeah, well. Like, I mean, yeah, he's bit. If you're going up against a bunch of humans, but the, the minute a space rock monster shows up, what's he going to do? Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, I, you know. Uh, yeah, Sabretooth is... Yeah. Sabretooth, uh, he's got razor-sharp claws, and he's he's a strong dude, but uh, actually most of his uh, strength, I would say, is in his ability to, to take a punch, which is to say that he can heal like Wolverine from pretty much everything, which, yeah. you know, is great, except that, yeah, <laughs> he still gets sent flying. So he'll survive, but he's not, he's not uh, pushing around Ben Grimm anytime soon. Yeah. So... They anyway, all of this is to say that when we finally get to the he was a bad choice and yeah. several people are culpable for the deaths that he caused. Anyway, <laughs> let's continue. <laughs> sure. I don't know if you think it's useful rather than going by the chronology of the story. Should we just follow sort of that particular track in terms of what happens with this heist? And then yeah, you know what? Yeah, let's do that. it. Yeah, because it, it, it alternates back and forth in the story between a couple of different narrative threads. But in this case, so the Fantastic Four show up, they uh, demonstrate that they are a well-formed fighting team of superheroes. And uh, Mystique and Toad make it through the portal, the gate to Krakoa at that part of New York City. Sabretooth, however, does not quite make it to the gate as the Invisible Woman puts a force field cage around him. So he doesn't quite make it to safety in time at which point who should show up from the other side of the gate from the krakoa side but cyclops who has in many cases been the leader of the x-men well at least the field team yeah so he has a uh, field general yeah yeah, you're, yeah field marshal i guess is the yeah. Xavier's right hand man yeah. so he's he's very friendly with the fantastic four he's asking how the family is the thing slash or aka Ben Grimm got married, so he congratulates him on that. Everything's pretty cordial up until the part where Cyclops asks for Sabretooth to be handed over to him to be brought back to Krakoa. Which does not does not go over well with the Fantastic Four, who are exceedingly puzzled at this wild request. Reed Richards, who's the head of the family of the Fantastic Four, is uh, is not having it. Cyclops, the way he puts it, well, so, so the Human Torch says, well, we just caught him. And Reed Richards says, why would we do something like that? Which is to say, hand over Sabretooth. Mm-hmm. Cyclops responds, you're a smart man, Dr. Richards. I know you know what amnesty means. And Reed says, I do. I also know that Sabretooth broke any number of laws in the last hour, including no small number of injuries to guards and a high probability that some of those injuries are significant, possibly fatal. Are you really offering amnesty for that? Cyclops says, it's upsetting, I know, but I'm afraid we are. New beginnings demand a wide berth. Reed says, then I think I have a problem with that. And there is a very awkward silence as they stare at each other. Yes. And in a staring contest, <laughs> I should add, Cyclops is probably going to win because he can shoot concussive blasts out of his eyes. Uh, well, see now that yeah, see now that's not that's not fair. Staring contest <laughs> is limited only to staring. I don't think you want this guy opening up those eyes <laughs> to stare. Well, and there's the problem. So I guess he, he's, yeah. 
you know, does it count as staring if, yeah. And now, you know what? That's, that doesn't really seem like a moral quandary. Okay. Let's just, <laughs> so, so Cyclops basically concedes and he says, all right, you know what? This, this seems to be a, a big thing for you. So we'll hand him off. You know what? He's yours. And Sue Richards, who is the invisible woman and the wife of Reed Richards says, Cyclops, this amnesty, the other things Xavier is doing, what are all of you thinking? And Cyclops says, my family has spent our entire lives being hunted and hated. The world has told me that I was less when I knew I was more. Did you honestly think that we were going to sit around forever and just take it? And she says, of course not. But, and he says, it's really very simple, Susan. I believe in what Charles Xavier is doing. Please greet your son for me and tell him that when he's ready, he has a family on Krakoa waiting for him. Because the son of Reed and Sue Richards is actually a mutant, not by scientific accident, but through genetic mutation at birth. Well, I mean, how much do we really know about the genetic mutation, you know? Well, yeah, in terms of the cause of it or the nature of it. Yeah. He's actually, he's extremely powerful. I believe it's like reality altering, basically. Wow. He's uh, he's actually listed on the the, sh- the short list of Omega level mutants for yes. reality yeah. manipulation at a universal level. Now, I think in recent years, it's been explained that maybe in the long term, it causes harm to his body if he uses it too much. But suffice to say, this is going to create some tension in the future as the Fantastic Four aren't sure what they think of the moves that the mutants are making and the idea that their son may have maybe placed in a position where his allegiances are being tested. But yeah, so this amnesty thing gets tested pretty early on in terms of mutants want to govern themselves and they don't want their citizens to be tried by human authorities and human nations with human laws. And that apparently includes Sabretooth, who has a history, maybe even more than Magneto in some ways, of being a bloodthirsty and cruel killer. So what do you think about this amnesty thing? Um, well, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 the amnesty is an interesting question. Um, I think, uh, especially, well, I mean, there's two ways of looking at it. I think there's, there's how it just played out here, which is to say that it would appear that, uh, you know, these three were acting with the assumption that they were about to get amnesty, especially, especially Sabretooth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which in my mind would would negate your amnesty, uh, and um, I think it would seem that Reed Richards agrees that this crime was committed after amnesty was mm. essentially. Now, it does raise the question of if the deal wasn't accepted yet, does the amnesty happen when the deal is accepted? Mm. Uh, in which case, that you know. If it hasn't been accepted, then they don't have amnesty yet, so he should remain in custody either way. If it already happened, then what, he just gets amnesty when you leave? Now, (laughs) what they're really going to need to (laughs) discuss is an extradition treaty between Krakoa and the rest Mm. of the world. (laughs) Because now you have the question of, like, you see... Cyclops seems to be suggesting that if a crime is committed and they're returning to Kratoa, they get amnesty, which is not um, how that works <laughs> generally. It's also definitely not how it works with God. <laughs> if you 
commit a sin with the intent to go confess it later, you at least have to confess that you intended to do it again. <laughs> that you yeah. you did it expecting the or taking for granted the mercy of God, which is mm. to say that the mercy of God is indeed infinite. But taking it for granted is itself a sin, which isn't to say that, you know, humankind is a, is a surrogate for God. But at least if we want to have a better society, we need to attempt to make our laws at least something that's not necessarily a surrogate for God, but something that reflects the will, mercy, justice of, of God, mm-hmm. which is to say this amnesty thing is just I can't see how it was going to work the way they're clearly trying to make it work. <laughs> yeah, I think. I don't have a great knowledge of geopolitics, but there's some stuff here that kind of leaves me scratching my head. So for instance, it's like, okay, so let's say it's a matter of jurisdiction and borders. Mystique and Toad have made it sort of past the line. In this game of tag, they've made it to base. (laughs) Right. So, all right, fine. You can still question it, but like you can kind of see some consistency there. But technically, Sabretooth is still within the boundaries of New York City, not Krakoa. So he just barely missed that dodge. And so I'm not sure this idea of like, oh, well, they mutants always get tried on Krakoa. Well, that, that seems just absurd in terms of, okay, so what? Like Magneto shows up to Tokyo and like decides to play Tinker Toys with skyscrapers or whatever. And then like, well, but you can't do anything about it because you don't, humans can't ever put us on trial. It's like, wait, that doesn't... That doesn't work. That would be considered uh, like a terrorist attack or something like that. If if you show up on foreign soil and you're trying to steal intelligence, even like regardless of even if you've injured or killed anybody, that's spycraft. That's something that I'm pretty sure like you that would be something like if somebody got into the U.S. and was trying to steal sensitive information. I don't know for sure, like if they could be tried in the U.S., but like it certainly wouldn't be as simple as like, oh, well, we can't do anything. Because oh, from, no, they could absolutely country. be tried right? in the U.S. I don't even think that they would have to be tried. Mm. Espionage is a war crime. Mm. <laughs> not a war. I'm sorry, not a war crime. I'm sorry. <laughs> let me, let me, not a war crime. Espionage is an act of war. Mm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I mean, we all, everybody does it. So it's not like, you know, it's not like Kratoa is... What, what's what's the phrase uh, I want to use here? It's not like they are declaring war by doing this. Sure, but yeah, um, I, there is not. That's not that's like a or, no. Did, I guess it's not not de facto declaring declaring war, mm-hmm. but arguably the United States would have reasonable cause to declare war on Krotoa for this sort of espionage. Assuming they could prove that it was done for the governing body of Kratoa, which we'll get to yeah. in the next episode. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's it's more or less an act of war. Now, the difference is if you are a very powerful country and you do this to somebody who's less powerful than you, well, <laughs> mm-hmm. they can try to declare war on you. <laughs> mm. You know, yeah. it's kind of like, you know, you've got the Cold War and Russia and the United States are both catching people engaged in espionage. It's like, yeah, that would be an excuse to declare war. But is that really what we want to go to war over? 
Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, slash, if we did it in Cuba, what's Cuba going to (laughs) do? So, like, you know, there, there are caveats to that. But, you know, that's, you know, it may be different than, say, France and Germany in, you know, in 1939, if the Germans have been caught doing espionage in France now. France was would have been, was in trouble anyway, but you know that's a cause for war. So basically, done what might be considered an act of war potentially, and asked for amnesty for it. Mm. So. Yeah, so there's some things that strike me as a little strange, and we will see eventually that Sabretooth is put on trial by the mutants, and I I won't get into all that now. But that's there's no sense that Krakoa is going to collaborate or in some way have any kind of interaction interaction with the judicial bodies of the u.s and quite frankly like there's a certain amount of smugness almost that you're getting from like all the mutants and i don't particularly care for it and it's it's strange because it's even from characters that historically i i like and they've had a good relationship in the comics with other superheroes or other humans and they're kind of just strutting around like hey what are you going to do about it kind of thing it's yeah they are awfully smug right now yeah and i think so. and i think some of that's on purpose from jonathan hickman sort of this ambiguity of like you, you know you're, there's a certain level of nuance in terms of okay so they they can be decent people but they're also like maybe not making all great decisions. Like maybe some of this isn't as perfect or as perfectly planned as they had intended. And maybe that'll have consequences later. So hmm. there's, there's a lot of that. Huh. We'll find out in yeah. an upcoming episode of yes. Superhumana Vitae. Yeah. That seems like a, a good place to put a bookmark in that. Anyway, Should we start it... calling it Super Mutana Vitae? <laughs> or do you think that's too much? Well, we'll see if it sticks. We'll give okay. it a shot. <laughs> we'll see if I, I don't twist my tongue around that. Super Mutana Vitae. Mut- yeah, I had Mutante. to take a pause before I said it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, so until next time, you can reach us by email by way of the email address letters at shvpodcast.com you can also visit the website shvpodcast.com if you want to listen to the podcast by way of the website rather than a podcast platform and brendan where can they find you Uh, you can find me on twitter at the library that's like library but lion with a y like my last name uh, um, and you can find me on Facebook. I have an author page at uh, Brendan J. Lyons. So you'll recognize me. I use basically the same picture for everything. So <laughs> you'll know it's me. Why well, mess with perfection? I might start tinting it green to look more like Toad, but. <laughs> uh, I hope you do. Grabs. It's an attention grabber. If you can, you, the listener, if you can leave a review, whether that's a rating through the, the star rating system that some podcast platforms have or a written review we would love to have your input to tell us how we're doing on the podcast and maybe make it more visible to other people who would be interested in seeking this out so without further ado we'll close up this episode 
and I would pray that we all grow in virtue and holiness, and that we would all become saints. Amen. Amen. All right, till next time, Brendan. It's been a pleasure as always. Always. <laughs>